0: Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet, and get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. Learn more at xfinity.com/flex. Restrictions apply. Requires postpaid Xfinity Internet, excluding Internet Essentials. One device included.
3: So people have found the new link. That's great. And all right, we're uh, we're up and running. Noah, you know what? Here, I'll make it feel like a film study.
4: <laughs> here, we here we go get us some music
3: all right welcome to a special film study i see everyone's already hopping online as we're coming to you live we only do this about once a year ken McCusick, how you doing
4: Excited as hell, Josh. I'll tell you what, the football new year is upon us with the draft. Uh, We couldn't have a more exciting draft. We have two first-round picks for the Baltimore Ravens entering the night for the first time since 2000 when they drafted Jamal Lewis and Travis Taylor. We have an emerging quarterback availability issue in round one coming up, which which is just tremendously interesting. We'll talk about that with the guests and Aaron Rodgers and what that might mean. Um, And we have just a night of excitement where I don't think any Ravens fan can truly say they'll know exactly what the Ravens will do in this first round. So I don't think we could have a a better setting for tonight.
3: Of course. And it's live. We're always trying new things with live. So this is another new attempt where we've got a whole bunch of guests. Uh, So, in fact, I'll be able to pull away, which I think the listeners like a lot. And we've got all these guests. But keep you guys, all listeners, viewers are going to be part of the show tonight. So keep your comments in. We're going to be bringing them up and referencing them, comments, questions, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're at. All of that is going to help us get through the night and be part of the show. So Ken, why don't we introduce the guests?
4: Absolutely. The heart of the show here, and we've got some great ones lined up. Let's start with Jordan Coe from The Situation Room. Very excited to have you on, Jordan. Uh, You have a great pod with Gabe Ferguson, who'll be on with us in a few minutes, we hope. Uh, The Ravens Situation Room on filmstudybaltimore.com.
5: Hey, thanks for having me, Ken. Exciting to be here. Lots, lots going on.
4: <laughs> we've so many pods we've done over the years now. At, uh, it's it's been very exciting to work with you, Jordan. Very knowledgeable guy. If you haven't checked out the Situation Room, check out Jordan and Gabe on that. They do a great job, and they they're some of the most timely information. You come out. Yeah, we nice try- speaking, correct? Right?
5: That's right. We try we try and keep it relevant. We try and really focus in on the games, what's happening and get some some updates and clips out there quickly and talk about what we're seeing on the field.
4: All right. Uh, Next guy I want to introduce is Dan Reese. Dan, you know, from uh, our analytics show, which name is escaping me right now? It's by the numbers, right? By the numbers, yep. By the numbers. Uh, Dan is a fellow actuary. Uh, We talk a lot of math together. Tonight, he'll do trade valuation. We expect there'll be trades in the first round because, hey, there's always trades in the first round. Uh, But Dan is uh, marvelous at evaluating them by multiple systems and you can check out some of the most recent work he's done uh, in terms of valuing the Orlando Brown trade. But if you want to check out some really cool stuff he's done, look at some of his bi-tech defensive line stuff that's on the website. Just outstanding um, big data bowl level type entries uh, that he's done. Very, very talented analyst. Dan, we really appreciate having you on.
6: Yeah, pleasure being here. I'm, I'm real excited. It's going to be a crazy night. I don't know. So
4: what, what's the, What's the thing about this night? You guys – Tell me now what's the what's the feeling in a night
6: like this that's different. I think this is this year's awesome because we have no idea what's going to happen for the Ravens. Most years I feel like we have, you know, some idea or guess where it's going to end up, but this year I got I got nothing. So
5: Yeah, we got what, you know, five quarterbacks that are probably coming off the board before Baltimore picks. You know, who knows where and when that frenzy is going to land. Um I mean, obviously, if if the two running backs uh, Harris and uh, Etienne come off the board before the Ravens pick, I mean, like Dan was saying, we're 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 in we're in great position to be able to have a smorgasbord of kind of what the Ravens will get a real clear vision of what their board looks like and whether or not they think that there's value in moving back or you know they like that value of the fifth year option. You know, it, it, that's always been for me the big question is you know how much do they value that fifth year option versus that boat of picks um mm-hmm. have they changed what they've done from these that the year where they picked what 19 times in the fourth round or something
4: <laughs> yeah five times in the fourth round in uh, 2016 i guess it was Tavon's still with the team otherwise uh wasn't a great round, you know, in terms of long term value. I want to bring up one more guy. You talked about having a big board and whatnot, but we want to talk to Jason Smith of up or of it Films. He's at it Films on Twitter. Uh, Jason, thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to be going to your board of uh, prospects to look at kind of who's the next available player at various positions. Uh, this is what his board looks like. Jason, tell us a little bit about your work and about your board. But 1st <laughs>
3: It's all good. And I guess it's also a good time to say that we've got other guests that will come in and out throughout the night. It's going to be a full night. All right, Jason, you good now?
7: I I think so. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay. yes. I put the four or five quarterbacks at the top just to take out the guessing game and kind of even out the numbers. But then from there, I have them in tears. Uh, I will be updating the board as we go. And uh, it's going to be a really interesting draft because. There's not a lot of guys that you can say, hey, they're definitely going in the first round. After that, it's very subjective. I think there's a lot of value in this draft between picks 15 and picks 50. There's not a lot of difference in between the prospects. So anybody can go tonight, and I think that's going to make it very interesting. A lot of fun. It's kind of something we, we hear every draft, but I think it's, it's very true last year. I think it was true la- uh, both
4: last year and this year, I should say. There were a lot of guys I liked between about the 35th and the 50th pick last year. I think we have some of that. I think, though, the Ravens with their needs and their be, their needs being specific and pretty, uh, you know, they have about six or seven positions where it would be really nice to get a, a pick at both 27 and 31 tonight.
7: Sure would. And Jordan mentioned the running backs, quarterbacks, we're kind of out of that business. So we're going to be rooting for those to go. And then the other wild card is, is another team going to want to jump ahead of Tampa Bay, say, at 32. Uh, put us in a position to trade back to get that sixth quarterback in the first round, and give them a fifth-year option. Guys like Kellen Mond and Davis Mills from Stanford. Uh, mm-hmm. So that'll give us an exciting. I was looking; it's Carolina, Denver, and Detroit are all in the late thirties, and those well, teams. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Well, I was going to say we've got just a couple minutes before the draft starts, and that's a great time to talk about the story that we need to cover real quick. Is Aaron okay. Rodgers, and now the fact that there's rumors of Denver. Uh, trying to close out a trade.
4: Interesting. And the, the reason they'd be trying to close it out right now, I guess, is that because it would include the first round pick this year.
6: Yeah, I would assume That's so. Right. You know, there's a couple of teams looking for it, but uh you know, I heard Denver, I heard Oakland, maybe, but um, you know, because they don't, the Packers don't want a quarterback back. They just, you know, if they're going to trade, just get picks.
4: Relatively small amount of money, I believe, on the books for Rogers the next three years—about sixty-five point seven million, if I recall correctly. I just tweeted it out, but but quarterback money—you know, paying twenty-two million per year for a quarterback of his level would be very light for even for ages thirty-eight, thirty-nine, and forty of Aaron Rodgers. But there's more to be considered because Rogers probably is going to want a new deal with it.
5: And if, you know, if they move, if they moved into, let's say the Niners' spot at number three they for all that we're hearing the jets apparently are still getting calls for the number two pick even though they know mm-hmm. who they want to take and what they like for it that they've been getting just a deluge of offers the falcons are getting all these offers you know they seem at least for the moment locked in on pits but you know if, if i'm green bay then i want that three and i want to trade back you know if there are mm-hmm. all these teams and even if even you know, just, Seven, eight, nine are all optimum spots to move back, especially if like Sewell starts to fall in the draft. I mean, fascinating stuff. If if uh, you're you're a Niners fan, because you got to be, you know, I would have probably been okay with giving all those first stuff for Rogers. I, I wasn't as thrilled, to probably as, as for the third pick as much as I would be for Aaron Rodgers.
7: Yeah, if you look at it just on the five the next five years, who would you who would you want? Aaron Rodgers or an unknown? Right. I mean, and this, I think he, part of the reason he wants out is he wanted that commitment from the team to redo his deal to make sure he was the guy and he had all the control. So I, I would imagine a new deal is part of it, but that I don't think that's going to uh, affect his trade value at all. It's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, coming off an MVP
4: season, it's easy to see why a lot of teams would want him. But let's talk about one other trade before we before the uh, uh, Jacksonville's on the clock here, and and that is the possibility of the Ravens getting Julio Jones. Obviously, been talked about a lot more on Twitter than anywhere else. I'm thinking, uh, but do you think a deal might be in, imminent there? And let's start with you, Dan.
6: I think it's it's possible. Uh, I think um, the the Falcons are in a nightmare cap situation they mm-hmm. are so far over the cap especially when you take into consideration uh, rookies that, that, that have to be paid um, and the money that's going to come in for uh, practice squad and things like that so they need to make moves fast and and they don't have a lot of contracts to um, to play around with you know you see a lot of teams pushing money back but they don't have many to do it so I think they're gonna have to do something with Julio and uh, you know I, I think the Ravens could be in the market
5: and I'd love to see him here. Julio would be, I mean, a tremendous addition for what the Ravens need. And he's, you know, the knock on him is durability, but he's more durable than it seems like it. If you go back and actually look at game logs, it's kind of like Ben Roethlisberger. There's there's a lot of chatter about how he's hurt, but he doesn't miss a ton of games and the cap numbers, you know, talk about the same thing. Um, aren't that bad. If, if you're getting kind of, even if you're getting Julio over the last three years, you know, minus last year, um, I think it's worth it. I, I think they'll probably have to wait to trade him until after June one for that cap for cap consideration reasons. because that 15 million, num- 15 million is a little big for, for this upcoming season.
7: It definitely is. But uh, what I like about the possibility of Julio coming here is he's someone who demands the ball. and, It gives us another option besides the running game to say, hey, we have to stop this guy. And um, I think it would free up Hollywood a lot. I think you'll see Hollywood blossom with Julio here if he were to come here. Um, Just an overall weapon. And then Harbaugh takes care of his players. So you're talking about taking Wednesday off. I don't worry about Julio having to practice too much to learn the system. Just stick him out there on some days and he'll he'll be good. And uh, an all-time great, another veteran receiver coming here. I think it would be perfect.
4: Yeah, Julio uh, has been remarkably good in terms of the most important statistic of all for receivers for me, which is yards per target. Uh, assuming the target numbers are, are okay. He's had a ton of targets over the last three years, 170, 157. And then last year in in uh, nine games, he had 68, which is a, a significant drop-off, but 11.3 yards per target last year, 8.9 the year before and 9.9. <laughs> Yeah, over getting Des Bryant last year. And he'd he been 6.7 or something yards per target for his last three years before his two, you know, vacation years uh, came up. So it's really, uh, you know, we're talking about a guy who even at age 31 is still one hell of a receiver.
7: Yeah, and I, I agree with Steven there. The cap can be manipulated. I don't I don't think that that's going to be a problem and the league always seems to spring up new rules, new ways to get around the rules. So I mean, as far as like Jordan said, you know, uh June what was it June 2nd, I believe it was, is the date that the uh that his cap number it, it makes more sense for the Falcons. But um you never know with the way things get, with things way uh go. It could be a deal in place, it could be a deal announced. Um they always seem to change the rules and the cap is very fluid. I mean, yes, you want to be responsible with it, but there's a way to fit Julio in and still have money left over for the season. Well, and
5: imagine a, a world where you get two, let's say, you know, all five quarterbacks go early. Somebody wants to trade up into the late first for another quarterback. The Ravens move back twice, end up mm-hmm. with three picks across the second round. Do one of those for Julio. Two of them are early in the second and they get guys that they liked in that same tier of that they were going to pick in the first anyway. That'd be a dream I, I-
4: scenario. You know, I, I was trying to, my next question was going to be, what's the appropriate value for Julio? And honestly, with the money he's got on his contract and the age he is, uh, he's also leaving turf, leaving Matt Ryan, leaving that controlled environment that created a lot of those highlight yards per target number. I can't really put him, I, I wouldn't trade a first rounder to get him, I'll tell you that. But a second rounder, maybe that is the reasonable price for Julio Jones when you strip out the bonus money out of his contract. I would be a little concerned that Julio is going to want a new contract as well.
5: And a new contract isn't necessarily a bad thing from a, a cap perspective. I'm not a cap expert, but you know, with the way that you you can restructure and rebuild contracts, you know, mm-hmm. if they could put them on a five year deal and kick the can all the way down the road till when we know the cap is going to be back to you know what it looked like pre-COVID, then you know that's actually a win-win scenario for Baltimore.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Yeah, no good point.
7: We have a lot of cap room next year, so it's uh, you know, we can backload that deal and. And really make it work for us if we wanted to. So, but yeah, okay, he's so, a great fit. Sorry, we got to start here. Jacksonville's
4: made the first pick, of course. Uh, we'll put it on the board here. But I'd be shocked if it wasn't Trevor Lawrence, even though I don't really see it on my screen right, right now. <laughs> it's
7: Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. No, there you go. <laughs> <Great pick. laughs>
6: yeah,
5: it'll be it'll be stunning if it's not if it's not Lawrence, right? I mean, yeah. this this one was, you know. Uh, The NFL does a great job with this production. I don't understand why the first pick does not have to be submitted at the time of the start of the draft, and they get an extra 10 minutes there, but uh, here we are.
3: (laughs) Well, today's a great day for them to hold it off because, who knows, Jags might have traded for Aaron Rodgers. That would have changed everything in the last second. But, yeah, I'm down in Jacksonville, and they've been selling these jerseys for for months now. (laughs) (laughs) I I read something crazy with these Jersey number changes
5: that if you are a player that wants to change your Jersey number and there is an allotment of jerseys that are out there already with your number, you have to buy those back from the NFL in order to change your number. Yeah. Yeah. I've
6: heard that before. Sure. So.
5: So like if Lamar wanted to change his number to, you know, whatever, like some crazy number because it's allowable, he would have to buy up all the non-sold Lamar Jackson number eight jerseys. It, it,
4: the problem is it's the sold Lamar Jackson jerseys that should have to be bought back. I mean, it's, it's the fans <laughs> who already invested in, in the number eight, and now he wants to be number 14 or whatever. I mean, uh,
7: yeah, that would be bad.
5: <laughs> so my question was, how is how
4: is Jacksonville selling
3: Lawrence jerseys if he doesn't have a number yet? <laughs>
7: I guess they put the number one on there, like they hold up on the screen.
3: Yeah, it's it's the number one and it's a lot of unofficial jerseys that are going ah. on down here. Or it's it's shirts about Trevor Lawrence. I don't think the yeah, Jags themselves okay. are selling this stuff yet. But they're not hiding it. <laughs>
4: We're going to likely hear some dogs in the background tonight. It'll yeah. be on my end probably when it happens. It's this you, you're this what time, Jordan, but it will happen otherwise. want to bring in Gabe Ferguson here. Just introduce him before we get the first picks off the, on the board here. Uh, Gabe, how are you doing from, from Raven's Situation Room?
8: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me here. Um, I'm doing pretty well. Just got caught in some traffic. So sorry for the late arrival. <laughs>
4: It's all right. We're, uh, we're We're just discussing the matters of the day here, the Aaron Rodgers trade and, uh, you know, how you feel about the draft new year and that sort of thing before we get the first pick up.
8: Well, I'm always excited for this day. It's like Christmas for me, you know, <laughs> all the potential, all the, all the fun things are going to happen. Um, but I'm, I'm mostly just looking forward to seeing where, where these defensive players are coming off the board. I think that's really going to influence the, the whole nature of the draft because, it's pretty much offense heavy on the first end of it, but then if we get some early defensive players going, it's gonna really shift the dynamics and the Ravens are in a good position to take advantage of however it works out i think mm-hmm.
4: are are you expecting the Ravens to take um who would you let's hear from each of you on who you expect the raven the first two positions taken for the Ravens to be, whether it's tonight or tomorrow
8: I think you, I think we'll see. Offensive line, whether that's OT or interior or maybe someone who can play both, maybe like a swing kind of guy. Um, I think that's definitely going to happen in one of these first two picks. Um, It could be a second offensive lineman in the second pick. I wouldn't shock me to see that happen.
4: Hmm.
7: All right. How about you, Jason? I agree. I think offensive line has got to be one of them. And then I'm not sure for the second one, because when you talk about needs, you have to balance uh, future needs as well as this year. So you look at the depth at all the positions. I could see them wanting to get in on a corner or safety. But offensive line and edge obviously stick out. Wide receiver, depending on what's happening with Julio. Uh, If they think they have a deal or they're going to be able to make a deal for Julio, maybe they hold off on that and take a shot later in in the draft. But offensive line, I would say, and secondary would be uh, the sleeper somewhere, safety corner. Okay. Pretty much covered all your bases there. That's good. There you go, yeah. what, What do you say,
4: Dan?
6: Uh, I think uh, offensive tackle is where they go first. And then my bet is a uh, drop back and then edge.
4: Offensive tackle edge. Okay, there you go. And Jordan?
5: You know, I think it's going to be wide receiver, given all the chatter and and kind of all the focus that seems to be kind of placed there. Um, You know, offensive line is a spot, especially with the trade of Brown, that they're going to have to take a guy in the first two or three picks, Mm -hmm. um, if not the first one. But I think the wide receiver is who I go with next.
4: Okay. I'm I'm going to go offensive tackle first. And I think the Ravens cannot afford to mess around with a guy who is an offensive tackle who might end up being a guard. And there's an unfortunately a dearth of arm length in this draft, which is extraordinary. A bunch of guys who are going to end up being guards, uh, T-Rexers uh, well mm-hmm. under 34 inches, some of them under 33 inches, uh, that just, it doesn't seem to me like they, they can end up being offensive tackles in the NFL, although some of them are very good linemen like Liam Meikenberg of, of uh, Notre Dame. But it's, it, it just doesn't make sense to me for the Ravens to draft a guy like that. When your need is tackle, you draft a guy who has the arm length to play tackle from among those players. And there are still a, a number of good players there. Um, you know, one of the highest rated players in this game, in this draft, though, is Slater, Who's got 33 inch arms? Penny Sewell's got 33 and a quarter inch arms. That's way below, you know, the 34 and an eighth, which is generally the, about the median for NFL offensive tackles. Uh, to me, that's that's a that'll be an area. If I have to pick a second position where I think the Ravens will draft, I'm going to go off the board with a non-standard one. Say so I think Trev- John Merrig of uh, TCU is a guy they might go after at safety if he's available at uh, at 31.
5: So yeah, Ken, do you think, think they'll it. have? To, oh, go ahead. Cool. I was just going to say, I don't think he's going to make his way all the way down to all the way yeah, down to thirty-one. Probably not, because um, there there doesn't seem to be as much safety talent. But um, you know that that comment that just popped up from Andrew, I think, I think if the Ravens trade back at twenty-seven and everybody that they liked, even when they were picking there, is still on the board when they get to thirty-one, there's a good chance that they will they'll deal back twice. Um, would mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't be crazy?
4: And they wouldn't even pick it all tonight, you're saying? Yes, that's possible.
5: All all this hype, and and we'll get nothing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good. Tomorrow
4: night's show is going to be great, though. (laughs) So, yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, uh, It's certainly – it is possible. I think, you know, we we look back to the the Derwin James, Lamar Jackson, Hayden Hurst draft, we'll call it the 2018 draft, and they went through and they got to 16. They traded the pick that ended up being Derwin James. That went to 20. Uh, Ridley. At 22, he was still available at that point. And they traded back again to 25 and ended up taking Hayden Hurst, of course. Then they traded back in the first round, got Lamar Jackson. In some ways, that draft capital the Ravens stocked up helped them have that incredibly deep draft through 2018. So even if you don't see it right away, even if you get a little frustrated and nervous that the Ravens aren't getting that offensive tackle tonight, hopefully – Um, that gets allayed uh, over the next couple of days as the Ravens make a bunch of good picks. It's been pointed out the Ravens can't take as many rookies on their roster this year because of some roster scarcity. I'll go to you, Jordan, because I know we had a discussion about this on a pod.
5: Yeah, you know, this is that'd be the one thing I think that would stop them from trading back twice because then you'd be looking at at least four more picks. The Ravens are sitting at, what, eight or nine picks now? Mm -hmm. Um, And by my count with the roster, you know, they're already at like forty-seven ish, and that's without the additions of an edge guy. It's without the addition of a right tackle like Villanueva um, or uh, Kelly from from the Titans. They're going to bring it. I think they'll bring veterans into both spots. So then you're at forty-nine. All of a sudden, you bring in nine more guys, plus the Ravens always carry an undrafted guy, plus sure. maybe another veteran. That's that's tight. Um, I'm interested. I think that they might kick those picks down the road into 2022 um, in a way that we haven't seen them do in other drafts. If they if they do move back,
4: what about what about that, Gabe? In terms of resetting the draft by trading picks to get picks for next year? You
8: know, I I think that's always a good idea if you can afford it because you're not you're going to get you lose some value when you trade back, but then Mm -hmm. next year you can use that and use that in a in a. Way when you have more flexibility on the roster, for instance. So I think there's some value you can get out of that, um, especially if you can, you know, accumulate a few of them, and that gives you a lot of options. And also it gives you the ability to trade for veterans too. That's something that I think um, we've seen the Ravens do. We've seen other teams do it very effectively. Um, and that that's kind of an area where you can kind of game the system a little bit and get somebody who another player may not be able to fit under their cap, or they might have some, you know, issues with the coaching one reason or the other, but that can be a very valuable way to add talent to the roster. Mm-hmm.
4: And I, you know, one of the things that comes up in these trades is that a lot of what we'll be analyzing tonight with Dan is, is trade value on year to year picks. But can you give us an idea, Dan, of what is a standard discount rate to apply to a, a, a pick acquired one year in the future?
6: Yeah, I've heard a uh, pretty much a one round adjustment. Uh, the most straightforward way to do that is just to uh, drop the pick, th- about 32 spots Mm -hmm. Uh, the difficulty then is, you know, trying to figure out. So if it's a round two, do you start like the beginning of round two, the bottom of round two, you kind of got to think about it, where the team is on a, um, you know, likelihood of uh, where they'll fall with the win loss record. So, you know, it's, it's kind of an art and and not so much a science. Uh, Generally I try to adjust it by about 32 picks uh, from, from where they're picking this year.
4: All right. Uh, You know, when we're talking about a mid-round pick, I usually like to say it's worth 80% as much. I I think I'm probably overvaluing the pick then to do that uh, in in that sense. Dropping by 32 might take it down by more than that if we're talking about like a second to a third or a a top of the third to the end of the third kind of deal.
6: Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, um, depending on the chart you're using, it can be a a pretty significant drop uh, from year to year. However, one thing I will say is, uh, you know, I was reading something – today that said that with you know the difficult time that teams had you know uh determining you know watching players measuring the you know uh watching the film you know didn't have the combine things like that as well as the cap situation that next year uh the draft picks are going to be even more valuable so teams are going to be less likely to trade future Mm -hmm. picks so we'll really see whether that comes into play and people start hoarding next year's picks
4: I can see another reason for that potentially, and we'll go to Jason for this. But is this a year where we know so little about these players because of the number of opt-outs? We've had uh, you know, a large number of conferences didn't play. So a lot of the small school prospects that we'd have in a normal year, we don't have them. I mean, North Dakota State happens to have two guys who are thought of very highly in, in Dylan Radins and and uh, Trey Lance. And I've heard of minors out of Wisconsin-Whitewater, but there aren't a whole lot of names from small schools in this entire draft under discussion. Well, and I wonder... Uh, go ahead.
7: I was going to say, I, I love the idea of trading for picks next year for a couple of reasons. One, is Jordan mentioned, the roster crunch. So we could we could go ahead and get players that we know are going to stick. And the second reason is, uh, whether you depend on the tape, the film, you have a lot of opt-outs there's not a lot of film. There's guys we haven't seen play in almost two years. You go for a, a guy like Caleb Farley, even it's longer than that with his injuries and back surgery and all that other stuff. And num- then number two, if you're an analytics person, how do you trust these pro day numbers? It's yeah. you didn't get to see them, um, fate or next to each other face to face side by side is what I meant to say. Uh, so whether it's film or analytics, you're really, it's a guessing game for either for if you favor either. And next year, Hopefully, God willing, all that will even out and we'll be back to normal. Here's here's what I'd like to see is this year, let's take the first
4: four or five rounds and see what percentage of the picks come from power five conferences. Maybe we can even keep track of this on the fly here, as opposed to previous years, if we could figure that out. Dan, you're, you're real good, I know, at manipulating data quickly. I wonder if we could even find that out for some past years, as far as what percentage of picks came from power five conferences in the first, say, four rounds. My guess is picks up to about round five or even six might be overvalued this year in terms of next year's draft capital. So that's what I was thinking about anyway, earlier today, because teams might m- want to move up to play up to take a player that they actually know something about. They may, their board may actually be run draftable players, or they may already know that they're reaching down too far on those power conference, power five conference players.
5: I saw a tweet this weekend that, uh, I think it's the last 12 consecutive years the SEC has the most drafted players, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the league overall. So, and I don't know if, you know, that could backload in those last couple of rounds. So I don't know how that plays out, but I think, you know, there's something to that. And there's also you can have the best laid plans coming into the draft and say, we're pushing value down the road, but, but you got this guy that you just love and you Mm -hmm. think that if he gets on the field with your team, he's going to make a difference. And that's how, you know, that's how the Ravens had the last set of their two first two round picks. Is that you know you, you're able to trade something of not tremendous value for a first rounder next year? People people GMS are not infallible as human beings, um, and they fall in love with guys and they overpay even though they they swore up and down that that wasn't what they were going to do before the draft started.
4: <laughs> uh, lots of interesting players to the Ravens. Anybody think there's a a, a Reasonably high chance the Ravens trade up in this draft in the first round. Dan thinks so. What do you got, Dan?
6: Yeah, I think that's how they're going to get their tackle. I think uh, they're like like you said. There's too few strong tackles that are legit. Sure, bet tackles. I think my bet is they trade up and get their tackle, and then trade back and uh, into the second round with the with the second pick.
4: Okay, so if we're talking about moving up, how far are you talking about moving up? Because even if they traded 94, they'd be able to move up, what, about five picks by the JJ chart?
6: Let's take a look. All right. So
4: Ravens. This is actually, we're looking at a different chart, Josh. This is not the big board. This is the JJ chart for draft value, which, we, by the way, we should probably have sitting on a screen here somewhere so we can refer to it at times. All
6: right. So if we took the the 27 and the 94, Mm -hmm. it would be the equivalent of the 21st pick. Um, Okay, so
4: they could jump up six picks, potentially, and maybe – so who might they be trading up six picks for? Derisov, he really fell?
6: yeah, yeah. And I've been hearing that he's been falling, so that'd be my bet. Oh, that that's
4: exciting news cuz he's he's one of the longer arm guys that I really like. Otherwise they're they're going to be taking a chance towards the low end no matter who they get. Um do you guys have a favorite among the other tackles that you think is a kind of might fall to the sweet spot for the Ravens?
8: I really like Tevin Jenkins. I th- I think he's kind of the perfect fit for what the Ravens do. You know, he's a really nasty run blocker. He's a solid pass blocker. I think he might be there at 27 as well. So that's why I don't think they would trade up, but Maybe they get nervous and he's someone who comes into like the 24, 25 range and you want to go up there and secure and he's probably the last person on on the list you really feel confident and can start in and start right away at right tackle for you.
4: Yeah, that, that that seems like a possibility. He's, he's I think, 33-and-a-half-inch arms, which is right on the Mendoza line of offensive tackle arm length for for a Kenya really making the NFL. A lot of people think he'll end up at guard, but it's like we've adjusted our expectations down in this draft with so many T-Rexes at off, offensive tackle. Jordan, it looked like you had something to say there.
5: No, I just I, – you know – it seems like they're going to trade up. And so I think ultimately, you know, that's going to lead to them probably waiting and trading back. I think that they, they probably have a bunch of guys that they like all together um, in similar value. And so, you know, in very classic Ravens fashion, um, I think that I think that ultimately with kind of all these guys seeming to be a little more similar, unless somebody really falls, um, that be the case. And Derishaw's got health issues and the Ravens with kind of their, have a really meticulous physical um, process and kind of medical process. I'm curious to see how that plays a part in the Ravens draft this year, because I wonder if they feel like they haven't been able to get the same kind of medicals that they typically do, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as part of this process. And, you know, we don't have any idea on on kind of what they've been able to do with players in that regard.
4: All right. Matthew L Ask a question. I think we addressed very briefly early on any chance the Ravens double up at offensive line. And push all their chips into that area after the postseason struggle. So, uh, what I want for everybody is a percentage chance that that actually happens, that they're even spend the first two picks. Well, that they let's say they, they spend both first round picks tonight uh, on uh, exactly
8: that two offensive linemen. So, I suggested this earlier when you said what the first two picks might be. So, I think it's definitely possible. I would I would say twenty five percent chance. Twenty five. Okay. I think with the trade of of Orlando Brown you have you have a need at a, a starting need basically we already were going into this with potentially a need as an interior lineman so if the right players are there i think there's definitely a good chance i mean obviously there's other needs there's edge there's wide receiver that's why i only put it at 25% but i think you could potentially use two starters on the offensive line so i think it could definitely happen
4: okay so let's hear from you jordan what do you think
5: yeah, I was going to say 15%, but you know it'll depend on – I think it'll depend on a lot of these, some of these guys that have health questions around them and whether or not they, they buy into their health or they don't.
7: Jimmy Dean hits you up on exactly 15% as well. How about you, Jason? I'm going lower. I'd say 10% for a couple of reasons. One, Tyree Phillips. I really think that they like him. Their tendency uh, to play him last year showed that. And then number two, the numbers games with McCary, Powers, Bredesen – uh, Cologne Castillo. I think that they're going to like their in-house options. I think if anything, they're going to want one guy uh, maybe for the future uh, that can play. Tevin Jenkins is a guy I think we could trade up for because he could play tackle or guard. And uh after that, I, I, I don't know. I think there's other places we can go. Okay. How about you, Dan?
6: Yeah, I think 10% sounds about right. I think there's just too many different combinations out there. It probably is even lower when you think about all the different, you know, Iterations and combinations that you can have. So, uh, but I'll, I'll stick with ten percent too.
4: I'll go. I'll go with under ten percent. And I don't. I don't really know if the number is five percent or eight percent or whatever. but I'll say under ten. Uh, Part of the thing that will happen will be there's a lot of pressure and animosity that can build up in the draft room if you spend your first two picks on offensive Mm -hmm. linemen. I mean, just you have defensive coaches that are there and offensive coaches. And um, the way that I've heard the 2003 draft drama talked about in in uh, uh, the first round. first Rick is in here. It'll be no surprise in just a second, I'm sure. Uh, really was one of, of Billick versus the rest of the organization. And the, the rest of the organization really wanted Terrell Suggs. And they valued him higher. And even though the phone call and Byron Leftridge, I mean, thank God it didn't work out. Uh, but they, they traded back up to the into the first round at number 19 to get Bowler. And of course, uh, history judged that set of moves. But I think it was a case of he
7: really wanted something. So we're 26 minutes in and we're, we've got the first pick officially. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with Jordan on that. Every year, Jordan, I say the same thing. Why can't, you know, we just start with a pick. I mean, I like the hoopla and all that other stuff, but. All right. So
4: Trevor Lawrence is the, is officially the number one pick. We have the, the, uh, the hugs and kisses going on, by the way, this is a good time to mention. We're not going to tip picks tonight. So the network will have them up here. Uh, before us, and you'll have other sources you can get the picks from when you see the next teams on the clock uh, oftentimes, even though the pick has not been announced. Um, there are sources for them. We prefer you don't tip them in the YouTube chat as well. Um, but uh, but anyway, we're we're going to keep that TV experience for you so you can hear whoever's at the podium announce that pick and get the pleasure out of it.
7: Some highlights here, huh? Yeah. So is there anything that you guys think, uh, what what's Lawrence going to struggle with? Because I haven't looked at the quarterbacks very much. I know he's very talented, and there's a lot of positives with him. Are, are there any negatives? Uh, what are the negatives for Lawrence? Anybody know?
6: it has got to play with the Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good
8: one he can be a bit too aggressive at times i think um make a little questionable throws that he might not get away with in the nfl that he was able to get away with in college that would be that would be my biggest criticism other than him that other than that though i think he's pretty much one of the better quarterback prospects we've had in the past 20 years so he's i think he's going to be very very good in the nfl
5: yeah, he checks all the boxes, you know, kind of physically in terms of like talent, but also like size and, and and all of that. So it's it's hard to say, but you know, it's gonna like Gabe was saying, it's gonna happen between the ears if it does happen. If he gets too aggressive, or you know, it doesn't come together there, but um, it's hard to see him not at least being decent when he gets to the NFL.
4: Does, does anybody feel like the, the the point that Dan made really has a lot of cogency here because? Um, he'll be playing for not a recruited offensive line at Clemson. Clemson can get who, essentially whoever they want to play offensive line for them. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars cannot, <laughs> and they especially cannot once they've invested the draft capital in Lawrence himself and whatnot. Uh, is that franchise ready to put its eggs in the in the Lawrence basket in terms of
7: uh, getting him all the pieces around him, primarily I'm saying on the offensive line to make it work? I think that's where it starts. I, I think that if you have a young quarterback and Burrow is a shining example from last year you you better protect him. I mean you can worry about the defense a little later, but you want you want the kid to be able to grow to have some confidence. Give him a line, give him a good tight end, decent running game and and start from there and you know if you have to play uh shootouts, uh that's where you want to start with a young quarterback. let him give him a chance to score and build the rest of the team later. It's a conundrum. I mean, obviously you want to have that line first, but you only get to pick first or have a position to get a quarterback like Lawrence once every decade, uh, maybe more if your team like the Jaguars. So you have to take the quarterback and then build up that offensive line. I, we'll get the- I, go
5: ahead. I was going to say, I think some of that's just a wild card too, though, because, you know, even with Burrow last year, You know, obviously the line for Cincinnati wasn't great, but, you know, his accuracy was vastly worse than it seemed like it was going to be coming into the season. Um, And you can put some of that on the offensive line, but you also have to make some of those throws in the NFL, period. You can have you can have the best offensive line in the league and you're still going to be under pressure more than you were in college. And so it goes to show you that you can be the best. You know, we've seen this year after year. You can be this perfect or great NFL quarterback prospect and just bust.
4: Well, at least he's played in the sec. So he's played against good defenses, you know, week after week and whatnot. Uh, you know, that is a question I think for, for some other quarterbacks, Trey Lance has has done a wonderful job of protecting the football in his college career. I happened to watch the, uh, central Arkansas game where he finally threw, threw his first interception. He had 30 and one in his college career. The one came in the, in the single fall game they had, uh, this last year, but, uh, Boy, I mean, part of that ability to protect the football so easily
7: is the fact that your offensive line is giving you a lot of time. It is, yeah. and there's going to be growing pains. Uh, you know, you just want to give him a chance to see the field and not, not be in a position where he feels rushed. You want everything, you want him to, to get the timing down. So let him make his mistakes. And, uh, you know, for me, I think the offensive line goes, especially tackle play and, uh, goes a long way into that. You don't, you, he wants to have confidence in his blind side that he's going to have the time and, uh, to make the throws.
4: Yeah. As one of the interesting things, because the small school prospects are not very well known, but. Dylan is protecting the blind side of Trey Lance at a small school for his whole career. And it's now, you know, one of the top offensive tackle prospects in this draft Uh, that's a, that's a real luxury to have. And, and uh, we've seen, while I love what Brown did at left tackle, I think Stanley was even better at allowing Lamar to seamlessly float out of the pocket to the right by not letting that, that that opposing defender get his hands on him. Pick is in for the Jets at number two. Any doubt about who this is?
5: I don't think. I don't think there is.
8: I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been more consideration about who this pick should be, but I think from everything I've heard is going to be Wilson.
7: It's a big a uh, big pick for our our formal friend Joe Douglas, as he's on the clock himself. It seems like. A lot of complaining this last year about the Jets uh,
4: thought to be tanking for much of the year. Then they ran that all-out blitz that, that allowed the Raiders to beat them in a game, and then they still lost the number of draft pick overalls. So the team kind of rallied around a new defensive coordinator <laughs> in part. Uh, after It was Greg Williams who was fired right after that play? Yeah. No. All right. Well, anyway – The first round will be interesting here. One of the things we're going to try and keep up on is, is how positional availability changes as we go through this first round. And obviously the more quarterbacks, the better, the more running backs, the better. What, who, who are some other players that the Ravens should be very happy are taken in front of them? Go with us, Jason.
7: Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Running back and quarterback. I mean, we want to see those go off the board. Um, other than that, I, I really don't have a preference because uh, best player available. If it's a guy like Barmore on the defensive line, I'll take him. If it's Merrick, I'll take him. So uh, there's not a lot of stress for me from that standpoint. I'd like to see a six quarterback, and I'd like to hear ATN and and Harris's names called. Other than that, uh, it's pretty. It's more relaxing than usual for at least for me this year. I'm still hoping the the Raiders make us happy with a bad pick the way they did
4: with uh, net last year because that really changed the nature of the first round. And then it was the Seahawks picking right before the Ravens who took Jordan Brooks. Uh, that was kind of a weird one.
5: Yeah, they're going be...
6: Go ahead, Jordan. Sorry, I was just
5: going to say they're going to be two picks before the Ravens pick at 27. That we're all we're, we're just going to be stunned <laughs> by. That's, that's <laughs> your that's your
6: over
4: under. So yeah, Zach Wilson officially is the number two pick to the jets
7: uh byu quarterback go ahead and take him off the board here too so uh, yeah i was with jordan though i I was surprised that teams were all in on zach wilson or the jets were as much as they as much as uh was reported it was no secret and uh you know i like justin fields there are questions about him i've I've heard one read and check down, and everything was called for him. But uh, when you run a 4-4, there's a lot you can do with a quarterback. Uh, And especially, you know, uh, a lot of plays don't go as they're drawn up. So you have that 4-4 speed. There's broken down plays. There's free first downs that he could give you. I'm rooting for Justin Fields a lot. I, I, You know, I I just – I like him. So, uh, you know, as far as the football knowledge is concerned, people know more about him than I do. But I I like him as a player for sure. You think the Niners are going to take him? Or, or Aaron Rodgers. This is uh, <laughs> this this is the, the exciting part of the draft. I think right here, right. Sending got on
6: our first moment of drama, right, <laughs> right, right. Essentially, I heard Wait. the uh, 49ers were pretty much out of on Fields. They were. It was down to the other two,
8: Mac Jones,
6: yeah, and Lance.
8: Yeah, that was the report. You never you never know what you can believe right. or not leading into the draft, but it, it's a little strange to me. How I feel like Fields has kind of been overlooked coming from you know he's and maybe because he comes from a school that hasn't put out good quarterbacks i think that mm-hmm. there is a little bit of, of that potential bias um working against him but i, I you put on the tape and, and he makes you know incredible throw after incredible throw in big time games against big time competition and it's just you i don't see that from from Trey lance I, I haven't seen that from wilson at least in terms of the competition and it's just and the athleticism obviously is there as well so that's why i was always confused in this process why why fields was Kind of continually uh, pushed down the boards while other ones were were pushed up instead of them.
4: All right, want to mention real briefly here. We've had some comments from Alec Poulianos. You'll see that name come up. Uh, he has his own pod uh, on the Ravens called Ravens Recap. Uh, he'll also be our host tomorrow night on a Zoom call. So similar to this, longer in nature, much more relaxed. Although so this seems pretty relaxed right now, guys. Uh, we'll have uh, a number of different panelists. We'll be taking your questions directly, and Alec will have a system where he recognizes you. You come in, you ask your question directly, and you talk to the analysts about it. And, and hopefully, that'll be fun. Uh, we had a an open mic one, which is good, but you just can't make that work with uh, seventy five or hundred or two hundred people on the call. It just, it's just I'm sorry, it doesn't work. But we'll we're going to do the best to 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 be as accessible as possible through this entire two night process
3: yeah and if you want to join that tomorrow there'll be a big link over on filmstudybaltimore.com so whoever wants can hop on the zoom
7: so do we need more coffee ken is that what you're saying we're, we're too relaxed <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what the, the, the uh the thing that'll
4: make me really bottle it up and and uh you know, daddy throw the bottle at the referee kind of thing if you if you know the Simpsons episode I'm referring to <laughs> will be if the Ravens take a short armed offensive tackle. That's the thing that'll really bother me. But uh uh other than that, I'm I'm gonna be pretty happy to see the the board run off in this first round.
7: And Thank I wanna you. like Liam Eichenberg so bad. I wanna like him yeah. so bad, but when you watch the way he moves, he doesn't have a special skill either. So you know i i have a feeling these long arms powerful tackles are just going to or and edges are going to eat them alive it's a great yeah, comment, jonathan yes jonathan there will be more times that will come up tonight
4: <laughs> but yeah i you know I, I i watch him play and he's he makes a million little adjustments that are great you know it, but what that tells me is and he's also got decent mobility too i think which is is underrated in him And what i've seen in scouting reports um
2: he's, he's
4: He'd be fine getting the level two. If if Bozeman can make the polls that he does, I think Leah Meichenberg can, can do that too. But to me in the NFL, he's probably a left guard specifically. Uh, because of the issue that shall not be named, so we can all take one less drink. <laughs> looks like looks like we've got some movement um, potentially on this pick. Here we go. Okay. Oh, no.
8: oh they're oh, just they're
5: just clapping. Sorry. <laughs> no, no trade
4: made. Come on, don't do that to us.
5: They they, they, they showed the trade that they made with Miami to move up, and so I thought <laughs> they were making a trade.
7: <laughs> but that was a good point on Eichenberg, though Ken. There's a lot to like about him. It's it's mm-hmm. just a shame, and you see him when him make be able to make those adjustments at the college level, and I just mm-hmm. don't think he's going to be able to do it at the, at the NFL level. It's a it's a fine line, you know. So. Yeah. You see the the
4: uh, the guys who who do really have the good length at, at, in college. They have all these lockout reps. I mean, and and they're harder to get at the pro level because the because the defenders have violent arms. They know how to use one arm to be longer. Uh, you know all of that, but but still, uh, it's 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 going to make his job harder. When it, one guy I saw that was effective against him was Miles Murphy of Clemson, who beat him both inside and outside in that first game against Notre Dame. Uh, but he did a pretty good job against the other two guys and their pro prospects, KJ Henry and the other guy Mackel, whose name I've forgotten. Who's the uh, the edge player there? You know, talking about Jason.
7: Yes, I All do. Right. I'm sorry, I was waiting for somebody else to, <laughs> to jump in there. I do. I, I, um, you know, it's 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 a it's a tough, <laughs> it's a tough balance, man. It really is. It's really tough to say. But uh, uh, some some teams going to take him and, and put him at tackle and. It's going to be interesting for me to watch. I mean, and in the Ravens system, a lot of times they're mush rushing Lamar. He's not really getting a lot of speed around the edge because mm-hmm. they can't afford to open up a running lane. So, you know, it, it kind of I think there's a big debate there is how important is uh, is tackle play to a team that has a young Lamar Jackson as a quarterback as far as pass protection is concerned. You know, does he just need to get in the way? Does he need to handle a speed rush, or can, can we get away with a uh, Orlando Brown who's going to get beat with speed? But that's about it. Orlando Brown had tremendous length,
4: and he converted a lot of that length to back pylon defense, so he could get the guy mm-hmm. past the back edge of the pocket. I, I'm that's that's something I just haven't seen in in uh, you know it's. Uh, Orlando Brown, the 35-inch arms, and and if you look back at who the Ravens have drafted, uh, they have a tremendous bias for length. So it's not just me; other, you know, other people in the Ravens organization have have uh, uh, drafted very heavily for it. The only guy they drafted a tackle who was really under the Mendoza line was um, uh, Ryan Jensen, who they never intended to play a tackle. 32 and a half inch arms, and and that was uh, you know obviously ended up at center.
8: Wasn't or- Michael Orr a little short on the arm length too? He wasn't the 34-inch. He was more in the 33 range, maybe 33 and a half.
4: You know, I would have to look that up for you unless you want to do it yourself to bring okay, that up. because the, the the picks we were looking at were 2011 to 2020 on the pod the other night. So Orr would have been just before that in
6: 2009. 33.5. Yeah, 33 yeah, and a half. Okay.
4: That's, that's what I would consider the Mendoza line. So that's where Tevin Jenkins is this year. Uh, Slater is underneath that and may end up at guard. So, uh, Trey Lance goes number three to the
8: 49ers. Interesting. So that, all the Mac Jones talk, it was, uh, it was a lot of smoke.
5: It, it had to be smoke. He was, they, they wouldn't, I don't think they needed to trade up to three to get Mac Jones. It never seemed to make any sense kind of logically to me the whole time.
6: Yeah, I was hearing they uh they were one of the big pushes behind uh having Trey Lance to a second um pro day and they kind of re- were originally on Mac Jones and then shifted over to Trey Lance, you know. However, but you buy into the reports that came out earlier today, but it looked like it was leaning that way more and more.
5: Do you think the Niners would have decided to do that before they traded up though? Like like did they really was that – do you think a team would really be willing to give up that much draft capital to move up for a guy for two different guys that they liked equally?
6: Uh, I think should and would are very different questions. Um, <laughs> I think they wanted a quarterback and thought they'd pick, figure out which one they wanted at that point. Whether you should get that far in trade decisions, you know, without being positive already, I don't think so. But I wouldn't be surprised if they switched. They, they also just went tried to get uh, Aaron Rodgers, and I know that's a whole another ball of wax. But you know he's in a different level. But weren't they just in on Aaron Rodgers today?
5: Allegedly, Rodgers, according to Trey Wingo, Rodgers thought yesterday that he was being traded to the to the Niners.
8: Right. Lance, <laughs> so.
7: go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, isn't that his hometown? Maybe that's where it comes from. Didn't he grow up a yep. 49ers fan and all that? And he played right. a cow. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. Right.
4: So Small handed Alex Smith drafted ahead of him <laughs> and <laughs> kept him in the green room all that time. That was, a, that was a fun draft to watch back then. So uh, let's hear from you guys for for the minute while we're not really sweating all these picks as they go through here. What was your first draft? And, and, and the first one we followed very closely from the couch. I'm going to start with you, Dan.
6: Oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I've gotten more and more and more into it out recently. Uh, you know, since I've been joining in the analyst discussions and Twitter discussions, so you know, I, I've watched uh, as a fan, but never in in the depth that I've done in the last couple of years. So,
7: how about you, Jason? For me, it was the first one, but the one that I remember the most is the uh, the nineteen ninety eight draft where we took. Dwayne Starks passed on Randy Moss. I was actually at College Park and got to go to a building that had the media. I was in with the media, Scott Garceau. I got my picture taken behind him. I was too nervous to, to even say hello. But uh, <laughs> when we passed on Randy Moss, you could hear a a, uh, a kind of a collective sigh come over the room like, oh. But, uh, yeah, the 98, that's the one i always remember, the Dwayne Starks draft. All right. I
4: couldn't say hello to Scott Garceau. He's like literally the nicest man in broadcasting. That's too bad because you,
7: you know, had a good conversation, I'm sure. He, he was very nice. He said hello and treated me like I I was on his level, but uh, I was pretty nervous. All right. Gabe, how about your first draft?
8: I want to say the year that I really started digging into the draft was 2011, um, like took a lot of time and started like really studying players and doing some of my own evaluations and stuff. And I think that was the year that we drafted the Smiths, Jimmy Smith, mm-hmm. and Torrey Smith. And I was, I was pretty excited about that because I was a big Jimmy Smith fan. I was really pumped that they were able to get him there in the end of the first round. Did anybody else think he was going to say, cause he was a fan of the Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about you,
4: Jordan?
5: It was probably the Kyle Baller year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was I was still in college, and that was the first year that I, you know, really, really, it really drew my attention because it seemed like, you know, the whole kneeling and throwing through the uprights and all of that buzz, and you know, two first round picks that year um, to go with it. You know, Suggs that Suggs was also that year, right? That right? Am my mm-hmm. Yeah, Suggs was yes. also that year. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I was really getting into Madden at that point. So, I was a high water mark for me really getting into the the Ravens the NFL draft. <laughs> All
4: right. That that certainly was a great one. And and Ray Lewis really remade his media appearance that day, his commercial appearance. He came back and he was in a bunch of commercials during the draft uh, about basically mistreating rookies which is which are all kind of funny. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, that, that, the Suggs-Bowler draft, I doubt there'll be ever another first-round drama like that for the Ravens. I'm not talking about the – that was interesting and weird drama as opposed to the great drama of getting Lamar Jackson late a couple of years ago, three years ago.
5: And I actually met Ovi Behaley, uh a few years ago on, on a different unrelated football thing. So, mm-hmm. so he also is a, a guy that was drafted that
4: year too. That's a good one too. All right, we got two forty
7: left here on the Falcons pick. Any they take. I mean Pitts, Pitts is their guy, right? That's what that's what the word on the street is. So we'll see if they stick to it. The pick is in now, so they didn't trade it.
4: So that means they probably it's probably Pitts if if they they'd really have to do something funny otherwise. But uh but they could have traded that pick in theory. A lot of people thought
8: they were locked in there at number four. Did you think that was true? I thought they would trade it.
0: Um, I, th-
8: I thought it made the most sense. You know, if they're not—they're committed to Matt Ryan. I think you either take a quarterback or you trade it. I'm not—I'm not sure about drafting a, a position player like Pitts. Who's—I mean, he's a great player, obviously, um, but I'm not sure about the value here for.
4: Let's go back to the previous question, Josh, if you could, about offensive tackles. Because yeah, there—there there it is. So yeah, I'm sorry, and I cannot pronounce your name. Uh, yeah, it's on the screen right now. I'm going to I'm gonna butcher it, but I'll do my best. Sardarudin Siddiqui uh, talks about taking Dan Moore in the fifth round as a developmental offensive tackle. There are a fair number of devel- developmental offensive tackles in this game. Uh, Dylan Radins uh, would probably fall into that category, although he's moderately polished. He really hasn't played against competition. Spencer Brown, the off-the-charts relative athletic score guy. Um, Forsyth would be another one. I think Walker Little probably falls into this category as being a, you know, a bigger guy uh, who's to me
7: more of a developmental guy. Who else do you think falls into that category? uh, Jason? Spencer Brown is my guy that, that that's, that's the, that's the person that I think by next year will be very, very good. He, He just needs some experience coming from a small school, but everything about that guy. And I was sold finally on the senior bowl. Just watching how easy he moves. He doesn't just have long arms. He uses them well. And uh, Dan Moore is a guy that Dan Moore Jr. I have on my board. He's number 161. Um, Definitely a guy I would look at as well. So I I think that's a good suggestion there. All right. uh, We have Kyle Pitts as the official pick at number four going
4: to the Falcons. So that's, that's a done deal. Um, Gabe, I hear you, I hear you saw you nodding your head there to um, what Jason was saying. Do you you have any thoughts
8: on that to add? I love Spencer Brown too. Like he's definitely someone who really got my attention. Um, like Jason was saying at the senior bowl, you know, he really proved himself. I think he, he's not just somebody who's, who's got the size. He also has some, some technique. He was better in the, in the run game than I was expecting. Um, I think he moves really well and he uses his body. Well, I mean, there's times where it's hard for someone that that long to kind of get the leverage you need, but mm-hmm. I think he bends well for his size and the, the athleticism is, is really off the charts for someone like that. And I think we've seen in the past, some of the players who have that type of athleticism um, can get drafted in the mid rounds and come in and be really, really good NFL players.
4: Uh, one question comes up that's specific to the Ravens. And remember we're Raven centric coverage here whenever we can do this, but are the Ravens in a better position than other teams to draft? Spencer Brown, probably even using a pick as high as 31 or something where they trade down in the second round. Are they in a better position to draft him? Because if they sign Alejandro Villanueva, they would potentially have 2021 covered and be able to wait for him.
7: Yeah, I was going to say, as of today, no. But if Villanueva is coming to town, yes, absolutely.
5: I mean, the Ravens have to be signing some kind of veteran tackle. I, I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that they didn't have a plan in place at least for somebody before they traded Brown, or they wouldn't have traded him. Um, so I, I think, in that sense, it does allow them to take a developmental or a project guy. But again, back to the, it goes back to the roster. You know, uh, that that means that one of kind of Tristan Calum Castillo, Breedson, or powers or somebody else along the offensive line there is not going to like just can't a Macari cannot make this roster um the Ravens are going to carry two guys on the roster um from the draft on offensive line
4: yeah it'll be a nine to take eight roster that's the usual way meaning they'll have nine active sorry nine on the 53 and eight on game day because you have to have that and you can't really I don't I don't think it's going to be a realistic possibility given the roster needs elsewhere to have 10 offensive linemen on the roster. It doesn't make sense to have less than nine given kind of the rotational injuries that occur in the NFL. So um, I I think you're right. I mean, I think it really creates questions about uh, limiting the upward
7: mobility of some guys that they currently have. If they draft two offensive linemen here early. And does anybody think that any of our interior guys have any kind of trade value, any worthwhile trade value? Could you trade McCarry or Powers for anything worthwhile?
4: Those are the two guys you would you would look at trading. And are you saying could you trade one uh, for for a 6 round pick? Maybe that's not enough for me to really get excited about it. But uh, but yeah, I, I think it would be something like that if if you really thought realistically about it.
7: That's kind of about what it. I had to sense. Nothing worthwhile. I mean, you could probably right get a six, file. right? Sorry, go ahead, Jordan. No,
5: I was just going to say, yeah, that's not, I was just echoing you. Yeah, not worthwhile. You know, I, I'd rather, I think they're valuable enough. They've shown enough to, to be better than what we, we're going to get from a sixth round pick.
4: Yeah. Powers um, will be entering year three. McCary entering year three. Um, those guys specifically have a little more value than a seventh-round pick. A seventh-round pick or a conditional seventh is usually the standard amount of currency needed to, to get a fourth-year player who the team might otherwise cut. Or Sometimes it's an exchange of such players. The Ravens have done that in the past too. But uh, uh, okay, want to see the big board again. Let's do that while well, we've got a chance here with Jason. And uh, a- anyway, it's, if trading a guy going into year three, you got a better chance to get slightly more than a seventh-round pick.
7: And you see on the big board in the green there, I have round one in any draft, and there's not a lot of those guys here. Phillips is the one guy you see there. Uh, That could drop because of the injury concerns, but anybody in the green there should go round one, any draft. And then those guys in the blue, those are guys that um, I'm really high on Terrace Marshall. Um, So that's, you're not going to see another board probably with him that high, but uh, the guys in the blue are, if they, they drop far enough, if they get close to the Ravens draft are guys that I would consider trading up for, including Coromoa, who is a linebacker, which we have plenty of, but I think Wink would be able to find a spot for him uh, both in the base and especially when you go into the dime defense or the nickel and the dime defense. What, what about Zayvon Collins? He's one of the wild cards in this first round in terms of a guy who could, uh,
4: could be up there. What, what do you think? First of all, where do you think he'll go before the Ravens even draft at 27?
7: Well, I don't think so because linebackers have been devalued so much, and then you're going to have uh, – uh, um, Micah uh, Parsons, and then probably Cora Mo go before him. He's a guy that, uh, and I think you mentioned, or he was listed as an edge on your edge podcast. I could see him being a Tyus Bowser Jr. rotating in on that Sam side and then taking over, upgrading from board as a a dimebacker because his coverage skills are just off the charts for a guy his size.
4: Well they didn't I mean the Ravens don't even play with a single Sam. They play Sam on both sides in that race car package. So they have with two outside linebackers, they can drop either way. It's they they over talk about the usefulness of the safeties being able to blitz alternately, but the ability to drop the coverage from either side of that of that of a five man front, very powerful. And the Ravens use it like nobody else.
7: And specifically on film, I saw him absolutely destroy outside stretch zone. So we we're talking about a team like Cleveland or uh Tennessee. He shoots a gap. He's very decisive with what he does. Just an overall excellent, excellent football player. He would be higher on my list if it was a, a need, but I, I still couldn't take him out of that first or second column, actually. Would you
4: do you think his snaps would really come as an outside linebacker though for the Ravens? Or or do you think he'd be still used standing
7: up inside? I think that he could play. I think he's big enough to set the edge uh if if needed to be in the run game. And then, um, you know, as far as the pass rush, you're not going to get much out of them, but you don't get much out of Bowser as far as pure pass rush either. So that's why I could see him working with Bowser really well um, where you can match both of them up. And like you said, maybe you put them on rush end, and it gives you more flexibility to drop in that spot as far as uh, instead of having a guy like in Dockway or a pure pass rusher on that side.
4: All right. I got the number five pick in from the Bengals. Any doubt about who this is?
5: think Yeah. I mean, it could be Sewell or it could be Chase. I, I mean, the Bengals are probably going to take Chase because I feel like the Bengals make non-line decisions. <laughs> I, I, I think they're not I, – I, you know, I think that they're going to take the playmaker over kind of the foundational piece that we were talking about earlier when you got to – we were talking about when you're taking a quarterback early, you got to be able to protect him. You got to give him time. You got to let him develop. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm you know, the Bengals strike me as the kind of team that that don't care about that kind of thing um, and didn't, you know, they spent money last offseason and it was all in other places and not on offensive line. Um, And so I think in that sense, they might not be prioritizing it.
4: This wouldn't be as bad a pick as, say, John Ross. No.
5: (laughs) (laughs) But I think as an indicator that tells you where where they're going to put that value. And I mean, Chase is going to be I don't want him in the AFC North, if if, 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 all things being equal. I think he's going to be tremendous, Um, you know. And but they really should take an offensive tackle.
7: They really should. the The only thing that I would uh, would help me understand it better is the chemistry that Burrow and Chase already have. I mean, if if you think if you want to go uh, highest floor, it's Chase to me. You haven't seen tonight's full play. So there are a couple of – I mean, it wouldn't be a head-scratcher to me if they did take Chase, but they have to prioritize, like you said, Jordan, the offensive line at some point in this draft. And, just, you know, this would be a great spot for it, obviously. Hey, how about a trade back? How about a trade back and acquire more picks?
4: Hey, let's, let's toss this out here now while we're waiting for this next pick to be in here. But, Dan, what do you think about the possibility of bringing Hayden Hurst back now that the Falcons have pits?
6: Oh well, uh, I don't know how he would feel about it, but um, you know, I think he would be a decent. Uh, is he still on the on contract in rookie still, contract?
4: I believe so. So he'd be he'd be he's entering his fourth season. Fourth I don't north. know whether the Falcons picked up his fifth
6: year option yet or not. Okay, well, that'd be I pretty. They ten- would. Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty nice. Uh, nice cheap option for the third. Uh, I, th- I think the third tight end spot is a little overhyped. Uh, I think it got a lot of attention last year because we lost a starting tight end, but, um, but I don't think it, the it, it's a, as big of a need as a lot of people um, talk about it to be. Um, so, so I think it'd be nice, but I don't think it would be a game changer. So
5: but how often do you get through a season with, playing your tight ends as much as the Ravens do with both guys being healthy the entirety of the season that's that you know I, i'm one of those guys that thinks that the Ravens made a mistake not carrying a fourth tight end last year to begin right. with um to get him ready and you know they I, I mean Boyle I don't think Boyle isn't durable but um oh my gosh Jamar chase and <laughs> mm-hmm. suit yep was. <laughs> sorry <laughs> that suit. Um, you know, I, the durability is my concern there. That you're just going to need three tight ends over the course of a full season.
4: Could completely agree. And and if the injury had been instead of to Boyle to Andrews and had been more visible in terms of the big hole left in the Ravens' offense, then people would have understood the need to have that additional pass catcher. As it was, Boyle was was admirably replaced by a combination of scheme and Tomlinson in terms of, of uh, getting the right players in the right place. But the, the Ravens did a bunch of things to make that right. Jamar, this is officially the five pick here uh, to the Bengals. Anybody have anything to say about that?
8: Well, I, th- I think that Cincinnati has some real weapons on offense, and, th- and that's not something I love to see in the division. Um, obviously, we talked about the offensive line, and th- I think that's still going to be a weakness for them. But you can potentially get someone – top of the second round who can come in and you know be serviceable i think they can maybe they had um was it jonah williams that they picked um mm-hmm. last year so you can put him in left tackle i think you can put someone else at right tackle and you, and you you have a you have a decent line there um not a great line but i don't know if the value of taking a tackle is greater than the value of someone like chase who's just an electric playmaker
7: well i'll defend the Bengals the Bengals just a little bit here I had Chase as my number one non, non-quarterback non on the board. So if you want to say best player available, in my opinion, it was Jamar Chase. Um, obviously, they have a lot of needs on that team. Wide receiver is down at the bottom of the list. They already have Higgins. They already have Boyd. Auden Tate showed something. Uh, they had a little, I think Michael Thomas was his name, a little slot receiver that gave us problems. Um so, yeah, wide receiver is, uh, you know, pretty far down there, in my opinion, on their needs. But if you want to go best player available, uh, I'll just take a shot at defending them by saying that. But, uh, but yeah, they need some tackle help. They need, to need some help somewhere on that line. All right. Now it's finally starting to get interested because the first GM has just finally gotten pissed about
4: all the picks taking too long. Has made their pick already. <laughs> <laughs> Miami has got their pick in at number six. Who do we think it is? Whew. This is a wild card, right? I, I mean, maybe Waddle.
5: You know, he's the guy that really has been moving up the board, you know, obviously connection to Tua, you know, Devontae falling due to size, et cetera, potentially, you know, that'd be, that'd be who i guess.
8: I think it's going to be Panay Sul here because mm-hmm. they need some offensive line help too. And, you know, I don't have Waddle as a top 10 player. He's right outside of that for me in this class. Um, but I think you have, the, you have the opportunity to get the best offensive tackle in the, in the draft, and I think that's a good pick for them.
4: All right. Alec Puglianis agrees with you. Uh, what's your bet? Sorry, Jordan. What's your bet? Sorry, I, Jordan, you said already, right? Yeah, Jason. Yeah, I Waddle. I, I think it'll be Waddle.
7: I, I'm going with Gabe on this one. I think it's Sewell. And uh, the, the thing that uh, I'm interested about is what they do at right tackle. They just got Fluker. But they have a left-handed quarterback down there. Where would they put Sewell? Could he play on the right side? How do they? How much stock do they put in that of it actually being the blind side and not taking your traditional rush end on that spot? So, Dan, you with Sewell also? Uh,
6: no, I would go with uh, Waddle probably. Go
4: think. with Waddle. So you got two Waddles, two Sewells. I'm going with Sewell, and the reason I think is I think they had two draft cards prepared. And happen here, And they said, OK, if, if they don't put Sewell, then we're rushing to the podium with Sewell and we're going to show them. <laughs> we had planned to take him already if you didn't take him. And it's like the jerk store called and they're all out of you kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's what I think has probably happened here based on on how quickly they made that pick and how they're not making phone calls about it. But maybe it's another guy. It, it, it make, makes like- sense. It felt like
5: Sewell, at least in the mock draft world, was sliding a little bit up up to this point too. So it, it'll be interesting if, let's say, Miami doesn't take him, Detroit trades back, and then you know Carolina for whatever reason also doesn't take him. Um, you know that's interesting from the Ravens' perspective. All of a sudden, you've got the tackles all sliding back, um, and whether or not that gives them a shot, to, you see Darius Shaw or Jenkins being available when the Ravens get to twenty seven, regardless, because all some of these other guys went earlier.
4: I'm just afraid what it ends up meaning is that that the rush starts at a different place, but it's still well before 27, and it could even embolden some teams to trade up. Somebody who might not think they have the draft capital for an offensive tackle this year could be emboldened to trade up to a spot where they're the team that gets a, a dropping Sewell to number nine or number ten or whatever it could be at the very worst, um, uh, or or a Darosaw at say 16 if you were to fall that far. Uh, so I, I'm I'm afraid. So, so you want this to be Sewell? I do I want this to be Sewell. I think or not just for my prediction to be right either just just because <laughs>
7: I think I want I do think Waddle would be a great fit though Jordan even though Arlene Sewell I mean he would he would be a great fit for that offense quick quick passing game he's he's perfect for it
5: it will it'll be interesting if it's not Waddle to see where some of these wide receivers start to go too.
7: um
4: Wait, Jalen man. Waddle,
8: it is. Ah, there there, you go. He's the pick. Wow. At there number you go, six. Jordan. Good call.
7: Put him on your fantasy board right now. That's a that's a fourth round pick, third round pick. He's gonna he's probably gonna catch 80, 80 passes this year. From the jump, he's ready. Uh oh, looks like we were ready to put uh, Penny
4: Sewell on the on the board here, but it's actually Jalen Waddle. We'll we'll keep that film ready for the next couple picks here. <laughs>
5: I think Detroit might be the first team today to trade back coming up next, too. Uh, they've got a lot of holes to fill. They got a new GM that loves some of these future picks. They dealt with their quarterback. You know, obviously, you know, you're gonna get five years out of whoever you're taking right here. But if you're if you're looking to move back and you you know, you think Carolina's gonna be offering the same, maybe you take a deal here if you're Detroit.
7: I'd like to see him take a quarterback. Just just go for it.
5: You know, I, I, I didn't think about that, but and there's been no there's been no chatter about that. It seems like so maybe they will.
7: <laughs> I mean, you never know how they feel, but if they're in love with Justin Fields. Maybe they take him here, and then uh, the other quarter, Mac Jones. Maybe they maybe they like him too.
5: Well, golf is the new GM's guy, right? He's the guy in LA. He was in LA when they took golf and likes him better than apparently uh, Sean McVay. <laughs> <laughs>
4: definitely an electric punt return we're seeing on screen here from waddle actually that might have been two, no it's one it's one punt return we've seen for the second time now it's that that recal- <laughs> one. Yeah.
5: they're doing this thing where they're showing these guys and then they're showing comparable nfl player clips so if like you look up you think you're looking at somebody and then all of a sudden it turns out you're looking at an nfl player
8: <laughs> you can definitely see the similarities though yeah,
5: definitely.
7: He's quick. He's quick as a hiccup. He might not have that that long speed all the time, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would say if if I'm drafting a fantasy receiver, a rookie receiver, he's he's looking good already. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes from the slot.
4: Could could he have been a problem for the Ravens to integrate in their offense, given the lack of size otherwise that exists? I mean, presumably, if he's if he's taking uh, Boykin spot in particular, the problem is even more acute.
8: I'm a little hesitant about that type of player in this draft for the Ravens. And I was thinking more specifically about guys like Rondale Moore, yep. Elijah Moore, some of the smaller slot types, um, how they would be used in the offense. I'm not sure because they're not kind of the elite like route runner type that can really make get open on, on just their own ability. They kind of have to be schemed open a little bit. Uh, and maybe they develop into more of a route runner, but I didn't see that in them in their initial like college film.
4: And, you know, there's certain people and one of them's on this call. I, f- I forgot about this. Who really never want to hear about Miles Boykin's uh, run blocking again. But <laughs> Miles, Miles Boykin, when he's on the field, provides you with that extra blocker that is extremely valuable. And just you can't put a value of zero on that. Uh, it's, it's just it's too much. So uh, you, you can't we'll put the...
7: Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of with Jordan on that because by the time Boy- Boykin's block matters, you got yourself a first down. So, uh, yeah, I want to see my receiver be able to catch the ball, get open to catch the ball. And the smaller receivers, like I, I didn't have a uh, an issue with Waddle because I can see him get open. Um, but more of the gadget player, we don't need a gadget player. He needs to project to be able to play somewhere. Mm-hmm. If we end up taking a pure slot. That, 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 that affects Duvernay more than anybody else. You'd like to see an outside, a boundary receiver. But Waddle, if he would have been there, that would have, that would have been a, a person. I really liked him. I, he would improve the offense day one. For all the slots the Ravens have, they don't have that one incredible
4: whip, rot, whip route slot guy who reads the opponent's leverage, works off, and all of a sudden he's open by three yards. They don't have that guy right now on the roster. But is that, I mean, is that approach and style more than
5: that they don't have a guy that is capable of doing that? Because both Duvernay and Prochet strike me as guys that, if coached to do that and put in a system, you know, the Patriots, the former Patriots, like offensive system was very much, excuse me, get to the line. We all kind of know what we're going to do, but like this is the approach that you take when that kind of thing happens. And and that allowed guys like Edelman or Welker to get open because of that. The Ravens just, that's just not how they approach offense.
4: I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that it's that simple to teach somebody how to read leverage. I mean, I think it's it's like saying, look at Muhammad Ali. We can teach another fighter to be like him in terms of reading opponent leverage. Or, or look at Lamar Jackson. We can teach another guy to be. It's if you hear even Jackson talk about it, and you hear Jackson talk about most things, he follows a very kind of a strict formulaic pattern in interviews. He doesn't really go way way out on a limb on anything. Uh, you know, he's it's it's very much athlete talk. Get him to talk about leverage, and he'll all of a sudden give you all kinds of inside football about. Yeah, I'm looking for that right shoulder to turn. As soon as that goes, I know his right foot's coming next, and boom, you know, he'll tell you all these things about. Oh, we have the pick in for the for the Lions here, and they're all jumping around, satisfied about this. We'll see what they got, but uh, but anyway, I, I I'm not sure it's as easy to teach leverage as as some people would would tell you. That's I also
8: so ex- no, I was just going to uh, say I also am not sure the Ravens have that kind of really. Elite, quick, short area, sudden type of athlete that is mm-hmm. kind of uses that skill set to his advantage. Like other than Jackson, that, yeah, absolutely. Other than Jackson,
7: there's one, it's James Brochet. He's he's very, very quick. When you're talking about Duvernay, he's very tight in the hips, very explosive. Um, but is a six-round pick. If if you could get a slot receiver that you could immediately upgrade, they would take him. But yeah, I'm 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 big on the X receivers, the big receivers, the boundary receivers in this draft. I think that we really need to find a value on one of those guys. Got
4: a got to come a question come up. Is Ken, did you say that Watkins is at least as good blocking as Miles? Um he's he's also a very good blocker. He usually grades very well by PFF. And when I did the 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 review of all his routes, um, I, I did see some of that watching you know plays before play after in his run blocking you definitely see uh, you know good run blocking efforts and, and a, a big guy he really sticks out physically as being bigger than the other Kansas City receivers with the exception of Kelsey who's you know really a slot receiver at this point not an inline tight end so yeah I um, I think that the the you know Watkins will be here for one year I presume not more than that. And the Ravens, because of that, they have an opportunity to groom their next ex out of this.
5: There you go. Penny Sewell on the
7: board. Pick. That was the greatest celebration I've ever seen for a left tackle. When I, saw him, <laughs> when I saw him celebrating in the green room, I thought, wait, wait a minute. Maybe they are taking a quarterback.
5: <laughs> you know, one of the guys I'm wondering when we're talking about wide receivers if if Devontae Smith falls Pass and I don't think he will, but if he gets past the Eagles, if he starts to slide a little bit in his draft, and whether or not you know he falls to let's say the late teens or maybe even 20, do the Ravens try and move up for a guy like that?
4: You know, we talked a little bit maybe before you got on, Jordan, about just how much the Ravens have to pay, but moving up six picks, they'd have to give up number 94. So you start by thinking about how much would things cost them. Uh, I just don't see him going that far to get somebody as much as they might like to, I think they're, they're priced out above 21 on anybody. One of I mean, the, uh, I, I saw this online, so I'm not sure where they pick,
5: but one of the chatter was around this idea that they could trade to Minnesota spot, deal both of the first and move up to where Minnesota is picking and get Minnesota's second back. So basically they, they just would use the capital to move up and then have a little bit better of a second round pick than they originally had. But I'm not sure where Minnesota picks. I'm trying to pull up the draft order now.
4: Can, can you evaluate that one for us, Dan?
6: And I'm not yeah, helping I got it out. right now. 14 and 78 for 27 and 31. Um, there we go. Oh, that's right. amazing. So pretty spot on. Um, looks 20 points off in JJ uh, with the um, Minnesota giving up a little bit more. So Minnesota would be team A here. They would give up 1,300. Uh, Ravens would be team B, and they'd be giving up 1,280. Um, so they'd be given giving up a little bit less. They may have to throw in a little bit more to get that done. Um, if you look at the other ways, though, uh, either Rich Hill or the, uh, the one by over the cap, uh, Fitzgerald Spielberger, uh, which is a lot more level. <laughs> um, the... Uh, you know, the Ravens would be giving up a lot more. So depending on where the teams land, you know, on, on these charts, it definitely seems like a, a pretty balanced trade. All right.
4: So Fitzgerald Spielberger, we we talked to Brad Spielberger on a recent pod. It's really worth listening to because he does a great job looking at age and war and cap cost and relating those things by team. Ravens are an extremely good position in relative to those things. They have a very young team. Uh, they're they're not spending their cap on a bunch of older players uh, that are are completely out of gas like some teams are, uh, and and it, that's that's work that's really worth reading. I don't completely buy into the the valuation system, which basically says Mister if you have fifteen Mister Irrelevance, you can trade them for the number one overall pick. So that's the kind of the counterintuitive component to it.
5: I think the JJ system undervalues the late first round picks a little bit now too. Um, yeah, especially with the fifth-year option value, the idea that the first pick of the second round is only like ten or hundred or I forget whatever the valuation like charting is, you know, it's only one slot behind that pick. I think that there's there's a huge value gap there that's not accounted for.
4: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think it's missing that, and and the chart was developed long before, of course, that came into the game, so it's not surprising. But then you you would think there'd be an adjusted JJ chart by now, which would have a you know, extra com- cliff difference there.
5: Well, DaCosta said they use, what, like eight or nine different value charts when, whenever they're doing these trades and he looks at the average and they're, you know, the Ravens are thorough about this kind of stuff. They're not just going to use one chart and, and make assumptions and they're going to have their own chart. They probably have three of their own charts that we don't even know about.
6: <laughs> yeah, but the fifth, the fifth year, it's not worth as much as it was two years ago. So that's the big thing is, you know, it used to be huge and like, you know, completely different value but now that they changed the the rookie salary scale on on the fifth year it's it's good to have the year of control but you're basically paying market value
5: yeah i was surprised when i saw lamar's number and what it'll have to be for for year five
4: right so he gets he gets a boost from what he's done already and he and josh allen make approximately the same amount is that correct
6: Probably. It's based off of Pro Bowl appearances and uh, percent of snaps, I think. Okay. Um, Something like that, but definitely Pro Bowl appearances.
4: Uh, Okay. We're picking up a little bit of ground here because the first pick was made, what, about 825? And so we're about 50 minutes in and we've got number eight coming across the board here. So about six minutes a pick for this first round here in terms of uh, how long it's actually taken.
5: What do we what do we think here for? Is this pick going to affect the Ravens?
7: Could be another quarterback, right? Could be, could be. They have Sam Darnold down there now. Oh, wait a minute. Then it can't be a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I'd
5: be surprised if they took one this year, though. I mean, I guess unless they really love Fields, I, I can't. I, I mean, I'd be stunned if they took Mac Jones.
7: Sertan is the number one player on my board at this point. I think he's pretty surefire thing as far as NFL prospect. You see Sertan right there by himself in the green. You see like him above JC Horn. I do. I do, but barely, I mean, they're, they're both very good players. Horn. I, I think that, uh, I just have a, uh, I just love his style. So I had to kind of stop myself from putting him a little higher and, just try to trust my gut, but he's so physical. I love J.C. Horn. It but. is.
4: In fact, J.C. Horn of South Carolina is the number eight pick in the draft. So you know, in a way, this is a good thing for the Ravens, I think we'd say, and let's go back to Gabe here on this, but but a corner taken, probably a good thing for the Ravens. Of course, we talked it a little bit. You did the corner position with me, right?
8: Yeah, that's correct. And, and I think we both had Sartan as, as the top corner mm-hmm. in the draft. Um, it was close though. I think, I mean, I think we could have both decided, you know, if you're looking for maybe a slightly different skill set, you could have Horn as your number one pick. So I do think this is someone that I was projecting to go in the top 10, 12 picks. So this isn't really too earlier than which, what I was expecting. Um, a little surprised he's the first defensive player off the board. But um, I think that, you know, this is, this is about right for it in terms of, you know, the, the top corner going in this range.
4: All right, We've seen, certainly seen it happen early in a number of drafts.
5: You um, really buzzed up draft boards, too. I mean, in, in that first couple waves of mock drafts, he, the Ravens were actually a team that you saw his name connected to a lot.
4: It does make sense. I mean, the Ravens right now have a very old set of cornerbacks, and we talked about this on the show, of course, Gabe, but they have uh, you know, Tavon Young entering a, a, a crossroads year in his career where if he doesn't play well, he'll be cut. Um, we have uh, Marlon Humphrey, who's safe, of course, but Peters on the other side will be entering the last year of his deal in 2022 and is a likely cut, I think, or at least a, a possibility of a high value cut for the Ravens, which they, they don't usually pass on. And then Anthony Averett, who's you know, a good young corner, I think they don't have him signed for beyond 2021. So at this point, he's looking at free agency uh, after this season.
8: Yeah, I'd really like to see them lock up Anthony Everett on like one of those three-year, six million, seven million dollar deals. Um, have him as your fourth, third, fourth cornerback. He's he's very reliable. He's been a quality pinch starter when they needed him, and I, I think he's someone you can definitely um, have as, as a quality reserve and give him that kind of money.
4: Love that idea. And I didn't even mention Jimmy Smith also, of course, is only on a one year deal and that he's he they go down to Jimmy Smith depth immediately. It's like the the fourth play of the year. They seem to be having Jimmy Smith enter the game every season here and and uh, and they need him and he's great. And all their alternative plans like fall apart immediately, you know, get him to play safety, get him to cover tight ends. He's going to do this or that for us. And all of a sudden they need him on the outside again. Yeah, but
5: you know Humphrey gives you that flexibility to move inside, and Peters is younger than. I mean, he is down to his last few years, but I think he'll mm-hmm. he will be younger than thirty when that contract expires. So another contract wouldn't be completely out of the question. Um, from Baltimore's perspective, if they if they still like him, and, and for whatever reason, Marcus Peters does not seem to have friends in the the network of the NFL as a whole, as he's been traded already twice, even though he's a tremendous playmaker. Um, and so if the Ravens feel like they can hold on to him and and do so at, at good value, um, you know, I, 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 corner never struck me as their the the shorter term need more than like I think defensive line is probably a bigger priority short term. Um. Than corner,
4: right. I know I would agree with that, and that's uh, there. There aren't many options at on defensive line in this draft. There'll always be options at cornerback as you go down the draft here, but I'm afraid that there'll be run on a run on defensive line fairly early in this draft that w- that will take out the uh, decent talents that that would fit the Ravens' need. The Ravens also have a problem because it's not. It's a good problem to have. The three tech is the position they seem to have dealt with reasonably well right now with a young player in Matabike, but they don't have a nose tackle. The next nose tackle to step in has not worked out for several years in a row with Broderick Washington, Daylon Mack, people like that, and now they've they've still got to continue finding him as that position continues to get older for the Ravens with Ellison and and, uh, Williams. One Pierce was kind of clogging up some of that opportunity,
5: I think, with a lack of of there being a guy to step into that. The Ravens, mm-hmm. you know, we talked, I, I mentioned on UDFAs earlier, if there's a team that I trust the Ravens to be able to go out, or if there's a team I trust that, to go out and find a nose tackle in at a value position in the draft or mm-hmm. undrafted, it's the Ravens. It, it, that and running back, you know, it, it, I would not be the ravens get to the board and harris and, and etienne are both on the board and the ravens take one of them i'll be pretty disappointed for the same reason you know edwards collins they've been able to go find guys off of other practice squads or undrafted and make head yeah. out of it so um those would you know defensive tackle not as much you know you, you want guys that can create pressure and rush and barmore can do that um so i think that's a uniquely interesting thing for this team too
4: Yeah, stylistic fits. Definitely been an advantage for the Ravens uh, all the way through this. You did the running back show. That's uh, great stuff. And uh, people should go back and take a listen to that if if you'd like to. Go after this draft. I guess people will have less reason to do so.
5: Yeah, you know, I I – I, I just I'll be really surprised I, I I'm a huge as much <laughs> I, I don't care much about Miles Boykin's run blocking and I, and I and I think Gus Edwards is really underrated those are probably my two the two things that stick in my crow that I hear from Ravens fans and Gus Edwards needs an opportunity like just give the man touches and he will grind out five yards it doesn't matter where it's on the field it doesn't matter how he's going to do it it, it gets he just gets it done I, I love the guy
4: well, the scheme is wonderful for doing that for him, and Jackson is wonderful for creating a lot of those opportunities too because defenses have a lot. I mean, if Najeev Javonport goes to the Steelers, it won't mean the same thing for their offense as Gus Edwards being here.
3: Hey, guys. Uh, while we're waiting for Denver to get their pick in, if you guys could all take a moment and whoever's still watching the stream to share the uh, share the YouTube link out there, we got suspended from YouTube for uh, for showing highlights so Uh we got kicked off of youtube so we've got a new stream up and running um that will be up on filmstudybaltimore.com in a moment or if you go to our youtube page it is back up and running now and uh
4: you you transferred us over there somehow or do we have to log out
3: no we're all good we're all good here we're still broadcasting we've got 48 people watching um we just won't be doing highlights anymore because apparently YouTube even monitors when there's no sound and just a video playing on the side.
4: Okay, so, fair enough. We'll be careful so, about that.
3: Yeah, so anyone who, I guess you can't hear me if you, uh, if you got kicked off because our stream got suspended, but if you refresh, you'll see there's a, new, there's a new stream there. So hopefully everyone will get back. Just share it on Twitter and let people know we're back up and running. And uh, yeah. Facebook, for some reason, hasn't kicked us off. That's the one I was expecting to get kicked off today.
2: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.